everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And, you know, I thought we haven't had the entire IT department on the show in a while. So why not today? Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, Tina. I'm doing great. Haven't seen you in a while, so it's good to have you on here. How long has it been? I don't know. Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like hours. <laughs> I'm a sh- Wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, these conversations always get awkward real fast. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> well, I do think that, you know, we've had some changes since you were on last time. We The last time you were on back in October, we only had, what, maybe at the time, a little over 100,000 downloads, I think. And Mm -hmm. we've actually gotten up to over 400,000 downloads in this very short uh, amount of time. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, and I like to take some credit for it because at that time, that was the largest uh, number of downloads for an episode. But it's been surpassed. (laughs) I I started the rage. Well, I do think that there were some people who were really curious to hear my husband, you know, when they, when they saw maybe that, that you were going to be on, they were like, oh, it's good nurse, bad nurse's husband. It's Mr. Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. So, so we'll see if they turn it off this time. Oh, they'll be like, oh, it's Mr. Good Nurse, Bad Nurse again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, we do have some really interesting stories. Yes. This week is kind of funny because I've been dying to do an episode about dentists so I thought, hey, why not just do this together? It's, we go to the dentist. Right? <laughs> yeah, we have this in common. <laughs> we have teeth. You brush your teeth. I, I br- do sometimes. You do sometimes. <laughs> but I do think that it is going to be very interesting. The The bad dentist story is, I mean, you know, there always are. This, there's a reason that I choose the stories that I do for the bad story because obviously there is going to be twists and turns, there's going to be interesting details in there, usually shocking stuff. This one in particular, not only is it kind of shocking, you know, what happened, but there's just some very odd things. Yeah, it leaves you wondering about lots yeah, of things. just very, very odd. But then we, we've got some good stuff to talk about too. We never end the show on a, uh, on a sour note like that. We like to always try to end on a positive note. But to start off, we've got a news story about a dentist. And this is kind of, we, we have mixed feelings about this. So a man took his son who was autistic, who his son is autistic, to the dentist. And when he got the bill for that dentist trip for the, for the, the office visit, there was a behavioral, a behavior management fee on his bill. And it was $75 on top of the normal, just whatever he was doing, he charged an extra $75 because the child, a 10-year-old boy with autism had a difficult time laying still, laying flat for for a long period of time to do whatever they needed to do. And I don't know if it just cost them more time or for whatever reason, they charged this. Yeah, so... You know, the first thing that struck me about this was I I wondered how often that this dentist charged this fee. It probably happens, well, I think we read that there is a code for it Mm -hmm. that dentists can file. And uh, I know in this case, the insurance did not pay it, but it, it has to be somewhat common for them to have a code. And, you know, I'm thinking there's gonna be some some kids that get out of hand and and it takes longer. So may, maybe this really wasn't that unusual. But the whole autism thing, you know that that's the that's where everyone's attention is in this story. It just seems uh, a little uh, uncompassionate. Yeah, it definitely seems insensitive, and it's because you think. Well, I mean, I. I guess the my first thought was dentist office. I would imagine that they would have a hard time with children because no one wants to go to the dentist. I don't want to go to the dentist, but imagine children and you know with some children, you know, not maybe not wanting to lay there for a long period of time and allow them to do all the invasive, you know, uncomfortable things that they're doing, and especially for an autistic child having to lay flat, all the sensory issues that they would have. 
that that was my first thought was how do you not al- allow for this in your practice? I, I I would just expect it to be built into the understanding of dealing with children if you're a pediatric dentist. dentist. Yes, and I didn't see anywhere that, that there was ever a conversation. I know that dad said that he was shocked to see it on the bill. So I guess they'd never talked about it. And I think if nothing else, I would have expected them to have a conversation before they do this. If it's just a one-time thing, he ran over, you know, 15, 20 minutes from the appointment time. I just don't see throwing a $75 bill at somebody for that. Well, and the thing is, the father wasn't completely unreasonable. He didn't even say that he disagreed with it. He just said, he said that he maybe is entitled to charge the fee, but he felt like he should have at least said something maybe that day that you know that day when it required extra time because of the child having a hard time laying still and the the dentist saw that okay this is running into an next appointment maybe he had to even cancel an appointment that day because it ran into some you Mm -hmm. know to another appointment to the point that they're just literally there's only so much time in a day and so therefore well i'm gonna have to charge the 75 dollars he should have someone should have said something to the father rather than it just showing up on the bill. Yeah. And also the fact that the child apparently had been going to the dentist for years past. Mm-hmm. So how in the world did this not come up before? Like I would yeah. expect, wouldn't you expect the dentist to like say something like... Mm-hmm. Or maybe schedule them at the end of the day or something. Schedule at the end of the day. Put put in the policy, make it, make parents aware that this is something that can happen. Make parents aware. Have it when they first come in as a new patient, have the understanding that if your child has behavioral issues, you may be charged an additional fee. And that way they're they're able to understand what my heart kind of goes out to this father because he's just he just said it's frustrating. It feels like one more cost of having a child with special needs. And I cannot imagine how difficult it is having a child with special needs because it's hard enough being a parent with all the struggles and I don't know, just the things that go along with being a parent, just every day, every day, breaking an arm, breaking an ankle, um, just head injuries, that just normal everyday stuff that you deal with. And then on top of that, having the extra frustrations. So my heart definitely goes out to him about this. So I guess that's pretty much all about that we have to say. I hate, I kind of feel like we sort of made that a a bad dentist story. I don't feel like it necessarily is. I think it's a news story that's worthy of talking about because do I agree or disagree with the, with charging the extra fee? Should dentists have the right to do that? Do they are, should they be able to charge that for children who are not autistic or do, who don't have special needs, but for children who are just behavioral? I mean, children are children. Even if they don't have special needs, they still could have a difficult time with controlling their behavior. It's just out of fear and anxiety and just being a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old or whatever. So Yeah, I could see that coming into play in mm-hmm. lots of different situations, oh, yeah. maybe at a theme park where they yeah. uh, you know, have trouble on a ride or something. Right. Well, I, I'm not necessarily saying that I don't agree that there could be an extra fee. I, I think that it's worth having a conversation about and I it's just, it's just, it's a very unfortunate situation. So I just, I don't really, I don't like it, but I think it's, it's worth talking about and discussing, kind of putting it out there for people. Yeah. And, and we both agree that we think there should have been a conversation before a charge just slapped there's, yeah, the bill. I've, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. So before we get into our Badner story, I just want to remind you guys to go to comradesocks.com and put in promo code GOODNURSE to get 20% off a pair of compression socks or however many pairs you want. And if you guys do that, be sure and send me an email or message me on Facebook or Instagram and just let me know you did that. I'd just like to kind of know what you guys think of them. And I know Tina loves these socks. <laughs> uh, if, she, if she doesn't have a clean pair, we have to wash wash some for the next mm-hmm. shift. Yeah, I stopped wearing my other ones. So I'm like, it, it, I have three pair and I never work more than three days in a row. So there's really no excuse not to have them. <laughs> She's looking at me. <laughs> Mark, he does a lot of the laundry. You guys are going to think I'm awful. But he, he does a lot of laundry around. He works from home. And so he just will like throw a load of laundry in when he's working downstairs 
and he's he's just awesome. Thank you. You're very much appreciated. <laughs> so the bad dentist story. Let's just get right into this insanely just confusing and <laughs> crazy story. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just absolutely unbelievable. So this is our dentist this week is Gilberto Nunez. And Gilberto, uh, actually he went by Gil. He goes by Gil. He is a dentist, Dr. Dr. Nunez. He's a dentist originally from the Dominican Republic. And he um, went to dental school in Kingston, New York. And he also, in addition to being a dentist, spent time being a, a volunteer firefighter. He was really had an amazing reputation for being an excellent dentist. He was very patient. And he even, in one of the interviews that I was watching, one of the hygienists that worked with him said that he was very calm, never raised his voice. And she said that he is one of the best dentists she's ever worked for. So that's saying a lot. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, when you watch... Uh, videos and and hear uh, people talk about him. You know, you kind of read body language and facial expressions, and there was just nothing that I saw from beginning to end about this man that that wasn't authentic. I know he comes off he comes off very well. Yes, there's no doubt about that. He was divorced, but still known as a devoted father. He would be involved in his children's school. He met uh, a guy named uh, Tom through his child's through his children's school, and they became really close friends. And over time, the two of them and Tom's wife Linda, uh, so the three of them sort of became, I guess, really good friends. And they were Linda and Tom became patients at, at Gill's dental practice, and they just got closer and closer. Well, at some point. Gil fell in love with Tom's wife, Linda. So, ouch. <laughs> yeah, two very different aspects of this story. And this is this is one of the two, is yeah. the, the whole love triangle. Yeah, it's very strange. Now, one just incidental, Tom is a, or was a physical therapist. So just to kind of throw another medical aspect into the <laughs> And Linda worked at a hospital. And... Yeah, that is interesting too. And and just all of that is not really necessarily related because I think she just kind of worked in administration or something. She wasn't necessarily medical, but it is kind of interesting. So the thing is, I find that a lot when I'm looking for stories and I come across true crime stories, it's unbelievable how many people work in the medical field. Like not necessarily just nurses. It's crazy how many nurses are out there, but not just nurses. Like it seems like everybody, you know, that whole six degrees of separation idea. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's even less the degrees of separation between people who are in the medical field. Yes, seems to be. Yeah. So Gil says that Linda actually fell in love with him also. They had an affair. It lasted for 11 months before Tom knew about it. And it was kind of odd because Gil said that at first it didn't bother him that Linda was married. Like he was totally okay with the situation with them sort of being like he's friends with Tom, Gil is friends with Tom, and he is having Gil is having this relationship with Linda on the side. He he's supposedly madly in love with her. She's in love with him, but he's okay with kind of keeping things just like that. Just very strange. And, and I know you're the storyteller here, but there's really no question that they did love each other because there's a ton of oh, yeah. communications that go on that were revealed and, you know, texts between all of them. <laughs> and yes, this this was the real deal. They all knew and... Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they were able to, uh, once this whole event happened, as we'll get to in a little bit, but they did bring out the text messages. The police, you know, investigators, they, of course, they're flashing all of those words up on the screen as we're watching this, this show. And, and it's all of the kind of lovey-dovey texting that people do back and forth. And it just, I don't know, it's just kind of weird to just think about this little triangle like this and the how close supposedly Tom and Gil were. And then yet these types of messages are going back and forth between Gil and his wife. It's just bizarre. Well, 
they even like celebrated monthly anniversaries together, acting like teenagers, supposedly. And Gil says he never tried to convince her to leave Tom. Eventually, though, he said he started feeling guilty. And so he wanted to confess, but the, the, way, the way he confessed to this was just, I don't even understand it. It is so strange. <laughs> like, I don't even know how this man's mind works. It just doesn't make any sense. Like the crazy kind of games that he plays or something. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep track of all these weird things in this story. It's just, uh, they, they just pile up and, and they're, they're such a contrast to, the personality that he has. You, you don't think, you know, every, there's a normal Dr. Nunez mm-hmm. or Dennis Nunez, mm-hmm. and then there's this other, yeah. it's like a Jekyll and Hyde. It's like really. a Dr. Nunez and Mr. Hyde kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. So, well, and the, the thing is, when you watch him on this interview, he does come across so professional, so well-spoken, just so, just completely, I don't know, just, yeah. yeah, even in the in the interrogations, mm-hmm. he was cool, very calm and collected. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And so what he did, though, is Tom and Linda both received text messages from some anonymous person. Each of them got a text message from an, anon- an anonymous person saying that they were having an affair with the with their spouse. So in other words, I, I don't even know how to say that, but... Both both spouses were accused yes. of cheating on the other. Both Tom and, and and Linda got text messages saying that, yeah, that that their spouse was having an affair. So it's like Linda gets a text saying, hey, Tom's having an affair. Tom gets an, a text saying, hey, Linda's having an affair. They're both anonymous. And yet they, they confront each other. And Linda knows that she is having an affair. Tom knows that he's not. And so what happens is she admits it and he's like, well, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that probably was Gil's plan all along because he probably knew that that's what would happen. Yeah, he kind of put it off on her to deal with initially. mm -hmm. He really did because I guess he figured if I do this, if I accuse Tom of having an affair to Linda and then I accuse Linda of having an affair to Tom. And so... The chances are one of them is going to say something to the other. Mm-hmm. And so he knew that if Tom didn't say anything to Linda, she would say something to him. It was There was going to be a conversation one way or another with him doing that. And she was most likely going to confess. You know, maybe he was trying to give Linda, um, you know, a, a valid reason to maybe have an affair hmm. if she, you know, if, oh, if she thought he was cheating. I don't know. We didn't. We didn't find out anything more. But yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like There was a plan there. Yeah. he Obviously, he was trying to concoct some sort of scenario. Who knows how his mind worked. But when Tom confronted his wife, she did admit to having an affair with his best, quote, best friend. But Tom didn't actually react the way you would expect someone to react who just got that sort of information. He would not talk to Gil Nunez for about four days. And then finally, when Gil went to him and said, look, you know, I, I just, I'm really sorry. I'm, and he begged for forgiveness. He got down on his knees and then Tom said, get up. He told him to get up. And when he did, he thought he was, Gil thought Tom was going to hit him. But instead he gave him a hug. And so the weird thing is it's it's like, so you would think there, that, okay, all is good now. Everything's out in the open. We're not, you know, this is all going to be put behind us. We're going to go on as we have the best friends and we have the married couple and everything's going to be fine now. We'll put that nastiness behind us. But instead what happens is now the affair is just out in the open and they literally are just talking about it. Yeah. It's strange to me. There was was no problems in the marriage that that we could find you know prior to this it, it's just a natural relationship yeah. that developed and yeah. there was just kind of some, some kind of a chemistry or something between them well yeah it's a very strange situation because after tom found out about it his friendship with gill actually not only continued but became stronger and then gill's relationship with linda as it continued apparently it got 
stronger as well, or at least in Gil's eyes. And in Tom texting back and forth with Gil, even referred to Linda, his own wife, as Nunez's girlfriend. He told him, your girlfriend is baking. So Tom said to Gil in a text message, your girlfriend is baking. And then Nunez responded back in that te- to, to that text saying, great, I love her so much. What? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I just can never see me handling the situation the same way. It's just so bizarre. Like, I mean, to think about what, I, what it makes me, it makes me really sad for Tom because I, f- I feel like he loved his family so much. He wanted his family. Kind of felt like he had to live with it. Yeah. That's what I think. I think he he didn't want to lose his wife. He didn't want to lose his family unit. He didn't want to lose. He wanted his children to lose their you know mom and dad under the same roof. He, roof. He didn't want to go through a divorce. And, and and they kept it from the kids somehow. Yeah, they did not know till no, much later. They didn't know about it. So I just think it's sad. It's really sad because it just sort of speaks to how much Tom either really loved Linda and I, I think he must have really loved her and really did want to save their marriage or at the very least really just did not want to hurt their children by breaking up the family. So obviously when in, in an investigation, if something happens, this is going to make it really difficult for an investigation uh, for investigators to go and, and just figure out what in the world's going on because what happened is one morning... Linda got a phone call that Tom never made it to work. So she knew that he would go work out at Planet Fitness in the mornings. So she got in her car and went to the Planet Fitness and she saw his car parked in the parking lot way away from all the other cars, way away from the um, the building, kind of like out in the far corner. And she thought that was kind of odd because... If he had gone there really early before work, there would have been no cars in the parking lot. So why would you park all the way to the very outer skirts of the parking lot? And when she goes up to his car, she was mortified to look into the car and see Tom's lifeless body in the driver's seat. And I wasn't expecting Tom to be the one. I knew someone was going to die, yeah. but I didn't think it would be Tom. Really? No. No, Tom was just waiting it out and and planning, you know, how how he was going to take out his wife's lover. That's that's what I thought was going to happen. Have you ever listened to this podcast before? <laughs> this is the bad dentist story, Mark. Remember? This is the well, bad dentist yeah, story. Tom's not yeah. a dentist. Well, I didn't I didn't know the title at the time. Oh. <laughs> They're both in the medical field. Well, that is true. Did you think it was a physical therapist story? I did until I read this line. Oh. Okay, well, that makes sense then. So at, at any rate, she called 911 after she saw his body there and the police got there, got, arrived on the scene. Eventually, Gil finds out that something bad happened. So he went to Planet Fitness as well. And police said that when he got there, he was really over dramatic. He was screaming, what happened? He's my best friend. He dropped to his knees. He was sobbing. So then, of course, Linda and Gil Nunez become prime suspects. I mean, you're going to expect the the wife anyway first. You're going to expect the spouse, of course. Mm-hmm. But when the, you know they maybe best friend as well. I mean, anybody close, they're going to look. They're going to look as you know. They're going to look closely. Yeah, but you know, these police they see this enough. They will look for these reactions. Mm-hmm. They know how to read people, and and this was and there's a video of this actually. Yeah, and and he's just way over the top. They thought. Yeah. Well, they do call him in for questioning, and while they were interviewing him, they were actually searching his house, and they came across some medical kits. And th- this was actually at his office. They came across some medical kits that had two vials of midazolam in them unopened. So I guess what they're thinking is if you have these medical kits that have midazolam in them, which is Versed, it's a sedative, it's for conscious sedation. Dentists use it sometimes for procedures and they're in the office to kind of relax patients. 
But if you if they have two medical kits with unopened vials, there were there other and medical kits. He obviously had. has access to them. Yeah, I mean, he was claiming, you know, that they don't use them in his office. Right. That didn't matter. Yeah, that was very suspicious. A few weeks later, when the autopsy report came back, his body actually did have midazolam in it. That's I. I mean, I don't know how you can. That when they first found him, he's lying there. The seat is kind of tilted back. And it looked like maybe he was, had gone to sleep, like, you know, laying the seat back and was taking a nap or something. But also his pants were undone and his belt and and pants were kind of like open. And so police are thinking something's very odd about that. You know, like it almost looks staged, you know, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there wasn't any real evidence that anything medical happened. He had sleep apnea, but that that's a little out there. And how did he get midazolam in his system? Yeah, and there wasn't a, a drink there. There was right. There wasn't a drink. There's no injection. Physical marks. evidence yeah. uh, of any. There wasn't any physical physical evidence. In fact, there wasn't any evidence that Gill had been there either. Mm-hmm. So it's very odd. And the amount of midazolam that was in his body was not an. A very large dose. It wasn't enough, really. The police police did not think it was enough, or the medical examiner did not think it was enough to actually kill him. But they still, because they didn't have any evidence, any other evidence of how he died, they still put on the report that it was midazolam poisoning, which I thought was yeah, kind of strange. It's odd to have in your system. Yeah. 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 And and during the interrogation, Nunez said something about him having sleep apnea which kind of uh, was a red flag that maybe he was was trying to mm-hmm. you know use that against him. Well, it is odd. Like, why would he even be thinking that? Because who would think that someone would be in their car, you know, lean back in in a in in your, It's not like your car seat will lay completely flat. So as the best you probably probably could do, he's still going to be tilted up a little bit. So who would ever think that someone lying in a car a car seat like that would die of sleep apnea? Yeah, yeah, and it, he he wasn't going to the gym. He was he was on his way to work, and he wasn't going to the gym because of where he parked. Yeah, and uh, they have film of a video from the gym mm-hmm. showing. That someone was there with him for a time, yeah, and it kind of looked <laughs> like it was the car that Nunez drove. They couldn't see it really clearly because it was kind of in a distance. But yeah, the where where Tom's car was parked was all the way on one end of the parking lot, and all the way on the very other corner was Coles, and they had a outdoor camera that actually picked up from a very far distance, Tom's car. You could barely, you would not be able to make it out if you didn't know that that was the, his car. But then you see this white SUV that's, you can tell it's a it's a large white vehicle. You can't really tell a lot of details about it. But then they get video footage from all these other, other businesses around. Along the way. Along yeah. the way. And it's very clear that it's a large white SUV. And if you put... Nunez's large white SUV right beside that one. They look exactly mm-hmm. the same. And yeah, I'm going to quiz you before you quiz me. What was the what was the scientific method they used to identify that that was his car? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Like it didn't make any. Like it's only like something totally just made up out of it on the spot. <laughs> so they were they were. Looking at the pattern the headlight yeah. made on the on the ground in yeah. front of it, and they compared it to other SUVs that that uh, of the same make and model. Mm-hmm. They, they drove the- it by the same stores and, yeah. and videoed it, and then they drove his by the store. Yep. And you could tell the difference. It was obvious that it was the same pattern. Yeah. So they said that the pat some the way that his headlights sort of spilled out onto the the pavement in front of 
the uh, the way that the headlights sort of like the light shine shine shone whatever onto the pavement. It created a a, a strange sort of pooling of light there that is not typical for those Nissan Pathfinders. So when they took other Nissan Pathfinders and drove it down, it sort of cast a different sort of light. But when you drive gills down, it created this very different, brighter, larger pool of light right in front of the Pathfinder. And it matched yeah. the one that was and, going through that morning. And, and they also used a, um, a software that was like facial recognition yeah. uh, from from taken from one of those videos and it picked the same make and model car. It did pick the same. It's a Nissan Pathfinder and it definitely picked it uh, the same as his. So it does seem it's that early in the morning. What are the chances that someone else would be driving the same car that his best friend drives. That is sleeping with his wife. That is having an affair with his wife. And it's that early in the morning when not very many other people are on the road. And that happens to be the morning that you died a mysterious death in a strange parking lot. You know, it's, it, it, and you had midazolam in your system. Which, and he's a dentist. <laughs> which, yeah, and you can't just go get midazolam. People, you know, you don't just get a prescription for midazolam. You don't just go out and get it. You have to have access to it. And no one else, even though Linda worked at a hospital, she was, I believe, like an administrative assistant or something. She would not have had access to that medicine. Yeah, they did check the records and there weren't any missing vials. Yes, there, was, there weren't any missing vials. There was no way for her to get, get it. Gil literally has it in his office. So it's just way too much of a coincidence what police think that that he must have gone there, met him, got into the car, having a conversation, brought him a cup of coffee, had the midazolam laced, you know, in it, and then Tom drank it and passed out. And then he staged the scene to make it look like he met someone there and then having a sexual encounter, like had a heart attack or something. Right. And and didn't you have some question of, of the potency of this medicine as uh, oral versus Well, I was wondering about IV. not necessarily potent. Oh, yeah, I mean potency, but not necessarily. Ex- I think that what I was kind of thinking is how long would it take to get in the system? Because going through, going straight into the vein, as we mm-hmm. would give it in the hospital, it goes, it, the, the onset is very fast. I mean, you... You have the a reaction to that very quickly, and so what I was wondering is ingesting it orally like that, like sitting there drinking coffee. How long would it take? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to this because I don't. There are they do use oral midazolam for, especially for children. They and apparently it tastes very bitter, but they mix it with like sugary, syrupy kind of stuff so that it tastes better, and children will drink it, and then they can have like you know dental procedures and stuff. They use that for children. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's possible, but it seems to me, it seemed odd that Gil Nunez would not know that that amount of Versed would would not be enough to kill him. And yet he's dead. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I, because the, the, the person doing the autopsy said it wasn't enough to kill him. And yet the man is dead. So I, I don't understand unless maybe they're thinking he did like positioned him in such a way that because he did know he had sleep apnea that if he got him sedated enough with the Versed and then positioned him just right that he would not breathe. Versed is and midazolam definitely depresses your respiratory rate. There's no doubt about that. Apparently there was a, a big part of the trial, which we haven't gotten to yet, but at least one of the jurors was convinced that there was no way that that medication was the reason for his death. So I, what I don't understand is that, yes, he had an amount, he had midazolam in his system, but it wasn't enough to kill him. But he put on there, it was midazolam poisoning. It's very confusing, makes no sense. I don't really know how to make sense of it. So I want to go back in the story a little bit because uh, there was a letter sent to Linda what, what was that all about? Oh, yeah. So that was another sort of side step 
um, it was almost like a, a parallel story that was going on. I don't even understand. I don't even know what the purpose of this would be. But Gil Nunez convinced somehow, convinced Linda that he knew an FBI agent and that he had that FBI agent investigating Tom, Linda's wife, and that that FBI agent discovered that Tom was having an affair and then that the the agent wrote a letter to Linda saying that he did discover that she that that her husband is having an affair and he even in the letter like put some that this this agent put some kind of like marital advice or, or I don't know some kind of advice and they're like you know that he would Leave, leave. Yeah, like Tom giving her suggestions of what to do, and I'm like, she said that it it seemed odd at first, but somehow Gil is able to convince her that this is real, that this is this really is. There really is an FBI agent who investigated for him whether or not Tom was having an affair and discovered it, and then sent a letter, an official letter. Yeah, and and then the police later found. A forge a fake ID of a CIA agent. Yeah, with his picture. Was on it, it FBI or CIA? No, CIA. No. CIA. Okay. Yeah, it was CIA. I said FBI yeah. a thousand times. So it was CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and Kira got these wonderful notes in here, and I keep, I keep, uh, I try, I try not to. I don't like to read, but I have my notes, so I, I use them just to kind of like remind myself of where I'm going with things, and I still get myself off track all the time. <laughs> So literally says CIA right in front of me, and I'm They're going. Probably yeah, in the yeah. same building, CIA, FBI. Yeah, same thing. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, he. They found a, a, a um, ID badge, like one of those that like Mulder and Scully from <laughs> from the X Files would like flip up and be like, you know, special agent, <laughs> and it has his picture on it, Gill's picture on it. And he was trying, apparently trying to convince Linda that he was a CIA agent. <laughs> just weird. And and then there was, uh, was it an email or a letter from his mom to Linda? Yeah, his, he, his mother supposedly. supposedly sent Linda an email trying to convince her to leave Tom because she, uh, she was trying to convince her that, that she, Linda, was meant to be with Gil, you know, her son. When in fact the letter, the email was coming from Gil. Gil was pretending to be his own mother, trying to convince his girlfriend, who's married to his best friend, that she belonged. Just <laughs> I don't. I, I and, told you guys this is crazy. And, and you know, he he admitted to all of this. He never yeah. he never lied through, throughout the entire thing that I can remember. He never lied to well, the police. The interest, yeah, and so. He from the very beginning, the way that the police found out about the affair, about the relationship between Gil and Linda, was Gil told them. So, and he he said he they knew they would find yeah. out, and he didn't want to appear to be hiding, yeah, anything. But he he did tell them everything. Yeah. He sure did. He spilled his cuts. I think he was proud of it. Yeah, probably. You know, sometimes people are proud of when they do, when they sort of like get away with something. He did not deny that it was him that sent the email, supposedly from his mother. He did not deny that he told Linda, you know, about the CIA agent. And he couldn't deny that he pretended to be a CIA CIA agent because they found yeah. the fake yeah. identification. He did deny meeting Tom that day. Yes, he said that was not him. And there is a very long investigation that's videotaped that where they absolutely just... Is in his face yeah, the whole time. For a very long time. And he's just cool, calm, and collected the whole time. And he just says, I was not, I was not there. I wasn't there. It wasn't me. I was, I, it wasn't me. And there was zero evidence of it other than the, the beam, the headlight pattern on the... Yeah, you could ground. see a white vehicle... You could see in the video footage a, a white SUV that looked exactly like his, but there were no fingerprints, no DNA. There was no DNA. There was nothing in or around or on the car that would have indicated he was there. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. They did arrest him, however, and they 
indicted him for murder and he went to trial. So in October of 2015, police arrested Gil, Gil, uh, Gilbert, Gilberto Nunez, charged him with second degree murder. He was also charged with forgery because of the fake CIA report and the fake ID. And four and a half years after Tom's death, his trial began. It took three weeks for the trial. They had over 50 witnesses and test, uh, testimony from them. The jury reached a verdict of not guilty of In murder. Six, six hours. Six hours. Not guilty. I mean, I guess I understand that. It was really hard for Linda to see because I, I think that in her heart, she really believes that he did it. If it's beyond a reasonable doubt, I could see it. But when they interviewed the uh, jurors, I, I just didn't didn't follow some of the logic there. I didn't either, because like you were saying earlier, one of them said that they really felt like the they really felt like Tom died of natural causes. And I'm thinking, you're not a doctor. How do you know that? Where did you get that? Yeah. They said he, he had an enlarged heart. That was something, I guess, that was known. That's not uncommon, especially for someone with, with sleep apnea. And there was no there was no evidence of him having a heart attack or having anything like that happening. So I don't know how they could. But at the same time, there clearly there was doubt and they yeah. did not feel comfortable. They didn't feel like yeah. there was enough evidence to convict him. And I would not want them to convict someone if they weren't convinced of it. Mm-hmm. I was convinced when I saw the video that someone met him there. Yeah. Because that juror was saying he was not murdered. He was not murdered. I can't get past that. He he had to have been murdered. Someone met him there and he never left there. Yeah. You can definitely see that someone pulled up beside his car. And And he had a drug in his system. And he had a drug in his system. Yeah, you can see that someone pulled up beside his car in that large, empty parking lot. There's no doubt about that. And it's so, it's just kind of, it had midazolam in the system. I mean, those two things together, it's just very. I couldn't let someone just go free there on that one. I just couldn't. Well, knowing that, I think that that pretty much, for me, seals the deal that he did not die of natural causes. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then if you take that, if if you believe that, as I do, then you say, well, what is the most reasonable way he could have died if he didn't die of, you know, some kind of medical condition? Someone had to have done something to him, either intentionally or accidentally. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. make sense that someone accidentally put midazolam in his, in a drink or or injected it. Yeah, or and, and, you know, just thinking back, there were never any other suspects mentioned and it was either his wife or his wife's lover and they ruled her out pretty quickly yes so who's that leave i know so just i don't know how the jury really came to this conclusion i mean i i think that i would have i i think that i would have felt after seeing all this evidence i would have felt like there there wasn't really a doubt but i think some good lawyering what, yeah, what there definitely was. Now, I don't want to, I feel like it's easy for us to take all this information and take 48 hours episodes and things that are slanted one way or another. And I've, I've discovered from watching the, watching those Netflix documentaries that can totally slant a, a story in one direction and make you sit there and think that you know somebody's innocent or guilty. And then you can find out all these other details that you didn't know about it. So I feel like I don't want to, I don't like to just just make an announcement of I believe he's guilty or I believe he's innocent because I'm, I wasn't there at the trial. I don't, I didn't see all the evidence. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But he was found guilty of forgery because of the fake ID, um, the fake CIA documents. And also he had filed some insurance claims that were fraudulent. He was found guilty and with sentenced to two and a half to seven years prison in prison, uh, which he was obviously not happy about, but it was better than 
the, the amount of time he was facing for, and he could have gotten up to like 25 years mm-hmm. for those charges. Mm-hmm. And he was paroled. Yeah, he was paroled. What, 2018? September 10th. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not in, he's no longer, he's no longer in prison, but I, I believe they revoked mm-hmm. his license. New York. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, this story gets, it, it, it gets, it goes from bad to absolutely horrible, the end of this terrible story. Um, about a year after uh, his father's death, Bradley, which was Tom's son, he was 17 when his, when his dad died. When he was 18 years old, he attempted suicide and his, you know, they, they found him and, and they tried to get him help. But he said he wanted to go to sleep and wake up with his dad. He, he was just, he really missed his dad. And then three months later, he was successful in taking his own life. And so this is what all of this nonsense has gotten this family. It's just horrible. I don't really know how to end that on, you know, it's kind of hard to to know how to just end that because that's literally, I mean, he he did have other children. He had a daughter as well. And this was for the, the, his son, Bradley, and his daughter, older daughter, they were from a previous marriage. And so, but... In all accounts, he was a great mm-hmm. dad. Yeah. Was. He seemed like a, a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. He really, just from the interviews that you see, even from Gil himself, it's just really, it's really sad that this happened to him. It's just incredibly tragic that this happened to his son, the whole family, his ex-wife. They had their children together and she obviously cared. Had to break the still, news. Yeah. She had to tell her children mm-hmm. about this and his daughter who's very well. She was very impressive. Yes. Very, very impressive. And her life has been forever changed as well. It's just awful. The whole impact of all of the people that these people's actions had, you know, they may have at some point, Linda and Gil thought that just this innocent affair was only, was not really hurting, maybe not hurting anyone at first, if no one knew about it. And then at the very most hurting Tom, and but somehow they're able to justify that by maybe in their minds justify it somehow like they're not close they're they don't love each other Tom and Linda but look at the ramifications look look at what how it just totally spun out of control mm-hmm. it's just really sad so we have a good dentist story and the the good dentist story is this is something that I've heard about several times this program there's one dentist in particular dentist dental office in particular that this is about it's a local dentist that offered free dental work as part of the Give Kids a Smile program. And it's Dr. Donna Prince in Sioux City, Iowa. And she w- just had a time uh, set aside, I guess, on a, a Friday, a particular Friday. And she provided free dental care for the community, for anyone who was not, I guess, able to afford that was, you know, that needed that. And and when I was reading that, it it struck me. I had never thought about it, but you know, when when you have a medical need, even if you don't have money, have insurance, you can go to the ER and you can be treated. Mm -hmm. It's not the same for dentistry. That's neglected if you can't afford it. And you know what? I don't really under. It's true. It's totally true. I don't really understand that. I've said this before, but. When I started working at the hospital, I had no idea of all of the things that can happen to people. And one of those things is the fact that dental issues can be life-threatening. And I, I, I had no idea of that before until I took care of patients who got a toothache. And that toothache turned into, you know, got infected, turned into an abscess. The abscess gets larger and larger, causes all kinds of inflammation in your in your mouth, getting into your airway until your airway is completely cut off, and you end up in an emergent situation, getting a trach in your in your yeah, throat. Yeah, so so it has to get to that point before you would have somewhere to go. Yeah, and not only are you, not 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 only cutting off your airway, but also the infection getting into your bloodstream, causing sepsis. It is very very serious, and I I, I never thought about that before. How serious, and that's not the only thing. Endocarditis. 
heart, you know, which is a heart infection, actually pretty common for people to go to the dentist and have dental work, but maybe they haven't had dental work done before, Mm -hmm. but, and then they go in and we're having problems and have a tooth pulled or something. And that bacteria that gets built up, gets into your bloodstream and goes and sets up in your heart and you get endocarditis from that. So, so it it makes the the work of of this dentist, uh, you know, even more needed and and special that she would do this, and she does it every year. And I'm sure there's a lot of other dentists because this is like a a program, a national program. Yeah, each year they provide free dental services for people in need all over the world. So I know that there are lots of different foundations and programs like this where dentists go all over and do not just free dental services, but even oral surgery and all kinds of stuff. So dentists are pretty amazing. The things that they, they don't just go in and extract teeth and... Yeah, they're very important even for medical. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, they come into the hospital. We... I see them working. I see them doing things for patients. They they will insert trachs. They they're oral surgeons. It's they're not. I don't know. It's just it's different when you grow up. Just sort of thinking of dentists as being people who obviously doctors and they are extremely intelligent. You you know that about them that you know they're capable. Right. They go to dental dental school. They are capable of you know administering medications and all the stuff that they do, putting people under. But then. There's a whole world of stuff out there that they do. I had no idea of the things that they do. It's just amazing. I guess that's it for another week. Another episode is wrapped up. And thank you so much for coming on to Good Nurse Thank you for having me again. You're very welcome. And I want to remind you guys to go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's GNB. Or no, on Instagram, it's Good Nurse, Bad Nurse Podcast. And on Facebook, it's Good nurse. It's a no on Facebook. It's GNBN podcast. I really wish that there was had been. I don't know why they had to be different, but the two have to be different. I'll ask the IT guy. I know. I don't. I I don't know why that happened, but I I can't seem to undo it. So anyway, it's because there was no IT guy there. That's probably in the beginning. Well, that is true. (laughs) Where were you? (laughs) And I want to also remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy. Be a good nurse.